Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. My name is Eric Pennington, and joining me as always is Jeff East from the Spirit of EQ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric, and all our listeners. I'm doing fine. Today's episode is on anxiety and EQ. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. So Jeff, you know, we have spoken about this a few times. Uh, I think I remember we did at a conference a couple of years ago on a break, and mm -hmm. it, it was something that I, I didn't know impacted you personally. And then we've talked about it pre-recording and after some of our guests, and you had mentioned that you'd feel like, hey, I can, I think I want to talk about this on one of the episodes. So I was really excited in a good way to to have you talk about it. But what was kind of the catalyst for you wanting to talk about it on on one of the episodes because i know pre-covid a lot of people were dealing with with anxiety mm -hmm. uh in my case panic attacks and I'm, I'm sure that there are more and more people that are dealing with it so i wanted to talk about that specifically and, and i also want to let people know it's okay to deal with an illness like this it's not because you're bad or wrong it's because there's something happening uh sometimes you can't control Yes, and I know that uh, we live in a culture that has so much who won, who lost, who's ahead, who's behind, mm -hmm. who's okay, who's not okay. And I've always found it ironic in America, right, as where we have our perspective, is that everybody knows everybody's not okay. <laughs> exactly. So it's almost like, is that, what was that fair? Well, it wasn't a fairy tale. It was a fable about the emperor wears no, no, wears yes, no clothes exactly. or something. Yeah. It's like, that's what I feel like we are as a culture. We're just, we're walking around thinking that we're dressed to all get out, but we're actually wearing no clothes. Exactly. I, I totally agree with that. So when you first um, sort of knew you were having the issue, uh -huh. what did your world look like at that time? Well, at that time, especially, I, I mean, I can think of the exact moment that, that things started happening was uh, 
I didn't have any uh, big stresses. There was nothing uh, harmful going on in my life at that time. I was uh, work was going well. I had a lot of responsibility, but I was was handling that and enjoyed what I was doing. Personal life was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, going into prisons with the ministry I do into a maximum security prison. You know all those things that you know traveling a lot. Uh, that you would think would be stressful for a lot of people weren't for me. Mm. So really, I don't think we've ever came to the exact cause or the reason for this to happen for me to start having these panic attacks, but uh, they just came out of the blue for me. And that happens to some people. Uh, Basically what happened was I was, uh, I got up a little bit early. I had a a small share group, uh, men's little uh, group that I met with every uh, Tuesday morning, and I was getting ready to go to that, and I was in the shower and felt like I was having a heart attack. I couldn't breathe. Right. Uh, I ended up on the front porch of our condo in my robe dripping. Wow. Because I, ha- I just had to get out of the shower right because now. Because if I'm not mistaken, panic attacks have similarities as far as the physical manifestation mm-hmm. as a heart attack, right? Exactly. Um, so I was able to get myself together finally, uh, get, the sh- get the shampoo rinsed out of my hair uh, and made it to work. And my good friend Adam uh, that I work with, worked with at that time, was also an EMT, volunteer EMT. Mm-hmm. And he knew there was something wrong, so he came to me. We had a good relationship. We could go to each other for this kind of thing, right. which I hope everybody has somebody like that. Mm. But uh, he came to me, and I, I told him what was going on, and he goes, you're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack, a bad panic attack. He goes, you don't know how many times we end up transferring people to the hospitals as an EMT where they think they're having a heart attack, and it, it's a panic attack. They've never had one before. So at that time, did you have much knowledge of what panic attacks were all about? No, I didn't. Uh, the only time I really thought about a panic attack was when Tony Soprano would have one on The Sopranos, because that's why he started seeing Dr. Melfi. Interesting. <laughs> so wow. I'm not in the ga- uh, mob, people, so don't worry about that. <laughs> right. um, so I went to my family doctor, and, okay. and she, she talked with me. Um, she gave me, uh, it's called Ativan. It's a, a mild version of Valium. It doesn't okay. last as long, which which would help me. Right. Then I, I went and saw a therapist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it, it, this was, was bad when if I was driving and I got stuck at a long traffic light, mm-hmm. I would want to get out of the vehicle and just walk away because I couldn't move in the vehicle. Um, it, was, it was just hard for me to do anything like that. Wow. Uh, I mean, it put my life on hold. So how did your... Your sort of your family and friends uh, respond when I mean obviously you had to tell some oh, yeah. uh, some of those if not all of them about what you were dealing with. Uh, what was that like? Well, the family was very supportive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to understand if you've not went been through it, but they knew it was something that was going on with me. Um, my I was very involved as a co-leader of a small mission kind of a church, and the, the people at the church were very understanding. You know, I'm probably not going to be here for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
my work worked with me and gave me uh, some extra time off to deal with it. So I did have good support that way. Interesting. That's good. That's good. And, and I know that, you know, in the age we live in, some people have some downright fear of disclosing or uh, admitting is not the right way to, to say, at least in my head, but to to come forth and say, hey, I'm dealing with this problem. Um, did you find yourself hesitant to talk about it to at first but you know talking with my doctor um seeing the therapist the first time my friend adam um no i I was able to uh go okay this is this is an issue i'm going to have to work with and i am not going to be able to do anything about this if i can if i try to continue as normal Mm -hmm. because you just can't uh and i liked the way how you said Admit is not a good way to describe it because admitting means you've done something wrong. Oh, yeah, right. And, and right. that's not what we're talking about when somebody's dealing with with anxiety or panic attacks or any kind of a mental illness. It's there's nothing wrong with you. There's just something that um, isn't working quite right. It needs adjustment or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I found um, in my own journey, uh, I've not had. Um, I haven't dealt with anxiety or panic attacks, but I know that when I did my first uh, journey through therapy, uh, it was interesting to me because I came from a background that said, no, you don't go, you don't go see Mm -hmm. a therapist that you just don't do that. However, uh, as time went on and my growth and support of my, my family, you know, it was one of those things that it was, it made total sense to do where I'm getting it or what I'm getting to is I did see the difference in how people treated me when mm-hmm. it, when it came out or, or was put out there that I did that. And sometimes I would do, I would, I'd, I'd want to talk about it because I kind of had felt like, you know, now I finally understand what some of my friends uh, in the past had told me, and I want to get out there and say, "This is my brain. This is I, I need to address the health of my brain here." Exactly. So I, I'm. I want to come on out with this. And, now, and, and I look at it like, um, if you've ever watched uh, a race car team work on their race car, yeah. it's a very complicated thing. Yep. And they have they're tuning it on it all the time. Yep. Your brain is a billion times more complicated than a race car so it can need tuned up and yes Yes. and that's jeff you know i know we've talked about it many many times the thing that i really wish we would grow up and do is not stigmatize this thing Mm -hmm. as if somehow we've got some real strong data that tells us we should stigmatize it you know and i i say it that way because I, you know, I'm asking you about how, what kind of response you got and mm-hmm. a little bit about my own is that there's some people that don't have that. They don't have families that are supportive. They don't have, exactly. they don't have a workplace that understands or cares and they find themselves isolated. I know you can't say what it would have been like, but the isolation, if you didn't have anyone, I mean, I, I, what do you say to those people who say, Hey Jeff, that's great for you, man. But I don't have anyone. I, I would tell them, Internet's not a be-all and end-all and solve all problems. Find a support group. There are mm. tons of support groups out there. Yeah. Find a good support group with people that you can meet with that it's just like AA. 
they're going to understand what you're going through because they're they're going through it. Yeah, the shared experience. Yeah. And and the thing is, I think with what we're talking about is, um, it's just like alcoholism. It's not you're not going to reach a point and say I am cured. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. So right. it's a sharing experience. It's not. It's a, a present and a future, not just a past. Well, and I think the more we can look at our brain health, as mm-hmm. I alluded to, again, with that lens of curiosity and not judgment, I think it allows us to, for lack of a better way of saying it, I and it's not mental health, but I have a brother who's an addict. And one of the things, and I, I used to talk to him about, you need to own your addiction. And that would make him recoil mm-hmm. because he thought, well, if I admit that or if I – if I am, if I, if I say that I own it, that means I'm bad or that I have a problem. And, and, and I, I used to try to, I can't do that anymore, but I used to try to, I said, here's what I mean. I, I don't mean own it. Like you, you walk around, like it's something around your neck that points to you having this issue, disease, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. I, I said, it's you owning and saying, you know what? I need to tackle this. I need I need to take full ownership because I, I I would think of it in terms of ownership is I have some things I need to do to take care of this. Yeah, it, it's like if somebody has a heart condition or has cancer. Yes. If they don't own that, they're not going to go get the treatment. They're not going to make the changes they have in their life. So yep. they own it. Okay, I have heart condition, so I have to do these yes. things. To stay alive. I'm yes. now owning that. Yes. Not because I'm exactly. bad, not because I've yeah. done something wrong. Yeah. It's because it is. Yeah. And now I have to deal with it. Yeah. And as I want to say to the audience, uh, drug addiction is not the same thing. That's not what we're talking about. I'm, I'm using that, mm-hmm. Jeff, primarily to go the owning of your problem, whatever it may be. It may not be mental. It may not be addiction. It, it might be, hey, I have a problem performing in my workplace the way that my boss expects me to my company right you know it could be as simple as owning the fact that your car needs work and you don't do it yeah and where do you end up stranded on the freeway right (laughs) and i guess um from the perspective getting back to your journey Mm -hmm. um did you find was there anything you that said hey um I'm cured. I'm good. I, I now I can I can this forget this ever happened or did no. you find did, were you able no, to it, accept it, that? No, I I I knew that this was going to be an ongoing thing working okay. with the therapist. Yeah. Um and if I can remember I'll send Brett a link. I I got to get the name right. I think it was called the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> or maybe the so other way around. Potentially in show notes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, if I can get that to mm-hmm. him. Um no, I, I knew this was going to be something I had to work with because it was going to be a process. Like when I first met with the, the therapist, we talked about some things I could do. And one of the places that would set off a panic attack was going into like a large store mm-hmm. with a bunch of people and a bunch of commotion. So one of my first assignments was there's a, a Walmart not too far from where we live was mm-hmm. to walk to the back of the Walmart and back out. And I couldn't do it at first. That sounds something simple, but you have to do those things. And, you know, there were other things that he wanted me to do uh, to keep pushing it. And then learning, and I think this is where the EQ part comes in, I hadn't really 
been that deep into the field of EQ at that time. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have. It would have made me adjust quicker than than it took me. Mm-hmm. But now I see what I was doing was EQ, but I didn't know what that was. Wasn't what it was. Right. Right. Um, because I I have to constantly look at what are the things that could cause one of these. Um, as you know, if if it's in some place where I I don't have control of movement, uh, in an airplane, like I said, the the truck, you know, if I stopped my my truck in traffic and it was a long light and there was mm-hmm. hundred cars around, yeah. So it was things like that, and it wasn't too long, oh, a few months after uh, this first started happening, I thought I was doing very well. Mm-hmm. I went to my barber. And this is the old style barber where you keep track of who came in before you and after you, and you know, you just wait your turn while you're reading the magazines and stuff. And I realized I'm next. And then my mind went to, well, you're going to have to sit there perfectly still with that, you know, while he's doing this. And one started. So mm. I, I had to get up and pretend to go to the bathroom and let the person skip ahead of me to yeah. get that under control. So I, I constantly have to be aware of the things that can set it off. You know what's uh, interesting? Um, I know, the, you know the proper term of that we're human beings. Mm-hmm. I almost advocate if we could change beings into becomings. Yeah. Because you know, Jeff, when I think about what you described, I don't see it from a lens that, oh, Jeff, you have a problem. Because when I when I hear problems, I hear something needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back to you use the car analogy. You know, if if there's something wrong with the anti-lock brakes, you take it to a mechanic to fix it mm-hmm. so that it doesn't cause that problem anymore. But I think sometimes. But the thing with the car is next week it could be something the fuel else. injection. Yeah. So it's a constant, you're yeah. constantly yeah, tuning. Yeah, it's, it's, it's active and it's, and it's uh, dynamic in nature, right? And I, I, I think of it in terms of, I know when I look back on my life and the things, and, and especially when I look back at that time when I uh, went to therapy, I, I found that after going through that, I was a better person. Mm-hmm. Not because I got it fixed, because I still have tendencies toward what I went to see that therapist for. Mm-hmm. It's just my activity with uh, him is not as it was four years ago. Right. But here's what's interesting, and this was in the probably the mid part of 2020. Um, I remember I, I could I could see those warning signs, if you will, that I had seen the the three years previous. Mm-hmm. And this is the power of EQ, right? Because at that time when I went to therapy, I wasn't in EQ as deep as 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 now. But I kind of began this process of going, identifying, okay, recognize the patterns, Eric. Recognize the patterns, okay? When you start to feel this, does it have any connection to that? And if it's that, what did you do that was effective the last time? Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think is, again, one of the beauties of how our brains work for recognizing patterns. So my typical go-to is if I'm if I'm seeing those warnings, if I'm seeing that pattern, I'll go to my wife and I'll say, hey, this is kind of where I'm at. This is where I've been traveling. Do you think it's what, what maybe I encountered before? Am I, am I, should I go and look at talking to my therapist again? 
if she says, well, let's talk it through. And then it determines, well, no, I probably don't need to. I probably need to do something that's more self-care. Or it might be, yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay, then I have another, I have like two sets of counselors. I have my my pastor, who is also a friend, an advisor, coach, mentor, he's a lot of those things, mm-hmm. he can give me that cursory gut check. If it turns out that he gives me that gut check and it turns out that, you know what, um, this is a deeper thing, man. You, you probably ought to go see, boom. That's my go-to. I, I throw all that out, Jeff, to say um, – is that consistent with what you've seen, maybe in your journey, yes. or it, that, that, that you're active in managing and owning that care? Yeah, in my case, I just I just have to be aware of situations. Like I mentioned before, I, I, I do ministry in, a, in right. a maximum security prison. Which is very confining, very locked down, right? Yeah. Um, we're one step down from a supermax where, we, where I go here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I can remember the first time driving up to the prison— I could feel a little bit of this. Yeah. But then I recognized it. Yeah. And I went, okay, I've been in and out of this prison hundreds of times over the however many years. Right. It's fine. So I was able to control that. If I hadn't been paying attention to those feelings started, I would have let them just go and go and go. And, uh, they don't like it in a prison if you start running around in a panic. That, uh, yeah. that, that gets on their nerves a yeah. little bit. I so. was going to say, I can imagine that that kind of tees off the uh, a little bit of an emergency. Yeah, and there's guys up in a tower with a rifle. Right. So, so you just don't, don't want to do something, don't like, do something that. like that. Or, or our joke is, if you do run, zigzag. Uh, right. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, and I want to clarify for our audience as well that you know this show is not about giving you therapy. Right. Um, we are not licensed clinicians and by no stretch this show is just about our experiences with our brain health and it happens to be that jeff today is talking about anxiety one of the things that i think you know if you consider somebody jeff who is fairly stable right Mm -hmm. and maybe not in a place where they need a clinician i found eq uh, and and the competencies and the disciplines and the and the um, the education part of it very very effective for me. Um, I, I I mentioned that obviously about recognizing patterns. Mm-hmm. Were there any th- other not other were there were there specific competencies competencies yeah. that you kind of found to be helpful for you in well, that? Well, and and you know if I was debriefing somebody and going over the competencies, the first one I would talk about is understanding. Your emotions. What are you know? Pay attention to what you're feeling, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know that that anxiety, emotional spectrum, or however you want to say it, mm-hmm. goes from I just feel a little bit this isn't quite right to terror. So you know where am I at on there, and then really pay attention to what it was or what what is going on. So if I'm feeling a little bit anxious, oh, I've got three things I have to do that has to get done tonight. Okay, I can deal with that. That's not a problem. But then mm-hmm. if I explore it and I go, oh, this is this is going to, towards one of the triggers that I know can trigger me, then I can take control of that and do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. So recognize or re- understanding my own emotions, what they're telling me. You already mentioned recognizing patterns. You know, it's basically learning a new men- uh, neural pathway. We've talked about that I don't know how many times. Right. 
recognizing, understanding consequences, consequential thinking, making sure that, you know, I remember that if I don't really take control of this right now, the consequence can be this, that, you know, going into a full bled, you know, full attack or whatever. So I'm going to stop you there. Okay. You're talking about the consequences. Were there any situations where you kind of found yourself being frustrated by what was happening to you? Yeah, at first, because, you know, I, I'm working on this and I would still, like I said, I didn't make it to the back of the Walmart the first time. That was frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing with, as silly as it sounds, going to the barbershop. Yeah. Those are frustrating. It's not like, you know, somebody's locking me in a, a little steel box with some air holes. You know, I, I'm sitting in a barber's chair with a that cape thing yeah. around, yeah. around right. my neck. You know, right. what's to be scared of? Right. But in the whatever is not tuned right in my brain takes that and blows it up into mm-hmm. you can't move now you know so it's it, those are the frustrating things and i was still frustrated that i still had to deal with this but mm-hmm. now i i've you know come to understand that as long as i do these steps everything's fine yes and i i think about it in light of i remember how i was 20 years ago, if I can say it like that without feeling tremendously old. <laughs> I used to do the typical, at least what I, in the world that we live in, is I, when I say typical, that be careful. Um, that idea of, I'm fine. You encounter the problem, you see that there's something not going the way that it should, and you just, I'm going to push right through. I don't, I'm, I don't have an issue. You feeling okay? Yeah, I'm fine. You know, that kind of thing. That ever, not ever is a long time, I know. Mm-hmm. But you ever find yourself in that place with it? Probably at the beginning. But mm-hmm. uh, as I've come to understand more, as I've gotten a lot older, mm-hmm. uh, I, I start understanding the uh, the detriment of these things that can lead to that. As, yeah. as an example, you know, I've learned to, you know, understand my feelings and do all that. And one of the things that is medically good is I used to deal with acid reflux and some ulcers. Mm-hmm. I haven't had to take any medicine for that for probably five years. Interesting. Because that's, you know, I'm now recognizing that stress when I start mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm able to get that under control without it getting to the point where all those stomach, you know, all that stuff yeah. that happens that, that causes Absolutely. that. Yeah. And uh, so that's just one example of you know, we're we're a holistic being. We're not just one part. And th- I'd like to mention one more competency. Yeah, go ahead. I think we need to remember empathy, self-empathy. Yes. Okay. I, I know that's, you know, I kind of harp on that one because I know so many people harp on. that, you know, I've dealt with not having any self-empathy. And you need, you need to have empathy. You need to give yourself a break. You need to remember, I am a human becoming. It's, I'm a work in progress. So give myself a break. Part of that too, I think goes hand in hand with the idea about sort of the self accountability, the self responsibility. We have so many folks out there, Jeff, who wear masks. Mm -hmm. They put on really good shows. And not the COVID mask. Not the COVID mask. We were talking about (laughs) it's a mask of one's soul or personality, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, right? And we put on a good show. We give Oscar-worthy performances at work, at home, and community, and 
on and on and on. And I can tell you from experience as someone who I gave many Oscar worthy performances in my career when I was in corporate America. I think one of the biggest things that you can do to help yourself be ready to tackle whatever you may be dealing with is take off the mask. Mm -hmm. And some might say, well, you, if you knew the place that I worked, if you knew my family, if you knew, and this is where it gets kind of tough. The people that really love you are not interested in a mask. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, you know, hundred percent, because I don't know that. Most of the people that need a mask don't really care about you. They're there for the show. Mm -hmm. They're there for the party. And when you're not there anymore, they'll be looking around for someone else who's wearing a mask. Like we talked about, I was just extremely lucky that I had a large large surrounding of people that understood this was something I needed to work on. power of community. Yeah. A very, I had a very strong community at that yes. time, and I and I, I still I, do. But well, and I think to your point, Jeff, I'm glad that you uh, when when we talked a little bit about well, what do you do if you don't have that uh, the the support group? Mm-hmm. Because you may find that there could be someone who lives a thousand miles away from you, and almost has an identical path that you do. Um, and I think there's something very powerful about realizing that you're not alone. You're not you're not yeah. the only one who's experiencing and dealing with it. Yeah, it's not about getting advice to cure yourself. It's about having that person that you can share with. Yeah. Because that action is part of the process of curing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you gave me a quote uh, offline, and I want to read it, and I, I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts. On okay, what... can, can I'm, I want to say a couple things real quick. Yeah. One, do, if, if you are feeling... We're talking about anxiety today, but if you are knowing that you're dealing with some kind of mental issue, get a hold of the proper person to help you. You know, mm-hmm. find a therapist, find if you know your pastor, find a, a, a good friend. Some you don't be doing it alone. Yes. And if you have, you know, if you want to shoot me some questions about this in my path, like I said, I'm Eric said it too. I'm not a therapist. I I, I won't do that. But if you want to just talk about it, I'm perfectly willing to do that. And in the show notes, you'll have Jeff's email as well as some links to some resources that are national in nature that you can reach out to uh, if you find yourself in that that kind of place. Here's the quote. Mental illness is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of trying to be strong for too long. First thing right out of the gate, that's a great quote. Mm-hmm. But talk a little bit about that. We we kind of talked about it already. Mental illness has the stigma of you're a weak, uh, broken, uh, unworthy person. There, there's something wrong with you. People wouldn't say that about you if you had cancer or you broke your leg. Okay. They wouldn't say that. So it's not about being weak. I think what causes a lot of people to deal with this is they try to be strong and, and uh, gut it out, muscle through it, however you want to say it. And that's not what you want to do. And Jeff, I can tell you that fits me to a T when I ran and, and hit my wall. I felt like I was Superman who'd just been introduced to kryptonite. I, I mean, I, I could no longer lift 
a thousand pounds. I could no longer leap over a building in a single bound. It was, it was, I was, I was weak. I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And, and the strength comes from understanding that when when you understand that, that for me to be the strength that I need to have is the strength to own it, to, to do something with it, not let it control, ruin, affect my life in a negative way. Chances are, like we've said, you, you'll probably never, ever be totally cured of whatever it is, but you need to develop the tools, and it takes strength, practice to, de- to develop those tools and use those tools to get yourself back where you want yourself to be. So that makes me think of another thing, um, and I want to let you continue on some insights on the quote. Uh, are there some things... I was just talking to our producer, Brett, before we recorded today, and I I use our company, Spirit of EQ, uses social media for education, announcements, the whole drill. But on a personal level, um, I, didn't, I didn't delete my Facebook and Twitter account, mm-hmm. but I removed the apps from all of my devices. Mm-hmm. And I won't go into the reasons of why I did that. That's another show. (laughs) However, what it did for me is it did free up. And it did, my mind, it no longer goes down certain paths that it had before. So to me, that was a brain health decision, right? Okay, and what I I mean by that, Jeff, um, a brain health decision is though I didn't, do it for brain health purposes, it delivered a result for my brain health that I, I really didn't think about at the time, and now I'm, I'm grateful for it. So what do you think are some things that might be threats? Well, I, I, I want to go a little bit further with, with what you said about social media. To me, yeah. when you say sh- social media, mm-hmm. that puts me in the mind of this is what we used to do at, at the bar or the restaurant, hanging around with your friends and just right. talking about stuff. Yep. It's not professional, certified, informative <laughs> media. It's social media. It's right. 8 million different people's opinions. Yeah. And yes, you can get very good stuff from it, but you're also going to get a lot of stuff that is uh, hooey. <laughs> yeah, and, and as I, was, I was telling Brett, you know, it's like I keep up on birthdays. Um, I'll glance at, you know, the family photos of a friend whose daughter got married or and something. When I send you a meme about bass playing. Of course, that's always at the top of the <laughs> <Yes>. list. I <laughs> always I always pay attention to notifications from Jeff because it'll be something in reference, which actually your last one on Mount Rushmore <laughs> with, with the three of the members of Rush uh, was great. Um, but I digress. So yes. um, the, the thing about that, um, I... I can't see myself going back to it, doing it the way I did before, because my brain is thanking me f- for doing that. Um, are there, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, we've mentioned here, social media could be a danger and it's not us saying, don't look at social media. Right. Please understand everyone. Our decisions are our decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and in this case, it was, it was an individual decision. Me, Jeff's not a part of it. Um, are there any other things that you would say are kind of the, Hey, be careful because that potentially could set you back. Yeah, I think if all you listen to is news radio, all you watch is the news channels. Right. Uh, 
they're not designed to give you peace and, and calmness in your brain. They're designed to make you anxious so that you keep watching to see what the next bad thing is. And it's well said, Jeff. Just pay attention to what you're feeling when you're watching that or listening to that yeah. uh, on Facebook. You know, I've I've got some Facebook friends that I've deleted because, and they're they're on both sides of the spectrum. But I don't need to hear that. Right. I, you know, I already know what you're saying. I've heard it eight million other places. I just don't need to keep. Yeah. You know, having that regurgitated. And I, I bring this up, and I know we're getting close to the end of, of our episode today. Um, I, I bring that up because, um, you know, I, I found that I, I've been a self-assassin at times. I, I've, I've, I've allowed myself to go down rabbit holes for entertainment or whatever, thinking that, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. But the reality is, for the amount of your consumption – uh, it's doing you harm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's very important when we go through, which I consider my process, I should say, the process I took of that evaluation. Okay, noticing what I'm feeling. What are the patterns? Going to my wife, going to my next level of counselor, and then maybe my therapist, mm-hmm. my process. I think there's also a responsibility I have to go, okay, Eric, are you doing anything that's setting you backwards? Are you involved in anything mm-hmm. that maybe is making it hard for your brain? Would your brain say to you, hey, Eric, if I could just get you to stop that, <laughs> things could be a little better. It goes back to the word we've used a million times, have some curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> have some curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'd, I'd like to say... One more thing about this. You have to remember that every moment that you've lived up until right now, right when you're hearing this, is part of your past, and it's what built you into what you are. So don't look negatively on the past. Look at it as part of what built you into what you are. And if part of that path includes some kind of you know me dealing with the, the, the panic disorder, that's put me where I am, and it's it, – that. It's made me more aware of things. So I, I don't want to say embrace it, but that's kind of what I'm saying. Is, well, it's, and Jeff, part, it's who you are. Because, you know, I started thinking for a moment, okay, well, what if I'm that person who says, see, Jeff, that's what makes me a really a train wreck or a bad person or I'm, I'm not good enough, whatever. What I would say is that no matter how much negativity, no matter how many problems you've had historically looking back, if you can embrace – I'm breathing now. Mm-hmm. I can start something now. And I'm not talking about you got to do a 180 degree turn, right? I'm not talking about you got to change overnight. What I'm talking about, if you don't like what you've become, try a very small thing to change it. Mm-hmm. You'll determine what small looks like. And I can almost guarantee it. And the only reason I'm saying I can't guarantee it is because. <laughs> I'm not God. So, uh, but here's my thing, Jeff, and I think you you would agree. If I make a small change, if I decide, okay, I'm going to take Eric and Jeff's advice. I'm just going to do, I'm going to try one small thing and I do it consistently over two, three weeks. Will change happen? Change will happen. I mentioned that I do prison ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, for the last... 15 years or so, it's been at Southern Ohio Correctional Lucasville. Yeah. Uh, it's famous for a horrific riot. But 
if you can imagine the stress these guys are under and through us coming in, you know, we, we go in and we talk about our faith, but more so we talk about giving, giving these, in this case, it's a men's prison, but these, these residents tools to use. And there are p- people in there, they're never going to get out of prison. Their sentence is such that are probably more mentally healthy than anybody I know on the outside because they've, they've embraced what they've done. They know that, that, but that's what got them there and probably got them to where they're, they're now they, – they still feel bad about what they've done. I'm not saying that you know, yeah. the guilt part – I think in some ways, Jeff, you're talking about there's – they've kind of been released from the mental prison. The mental prison. They're, they're more released from the mental prison, thank you, mm-hmm. than we are on the outside. And there's, you know, 15 steel dwarves and, and white razor wire and guys with towers. And they're more free than we are on the outside sometimes. That's that's a par- very powerful reality. Uh, really powerful. Um, so I'm sorry, uh, Jeff, you just, you just struck a chord there. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Those who are on the outside and are, quote, free may indeed be more imprisoned than those. I have learned things from these guys on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, everyone, this brings us to the end of this episode. Really enjoyed having you, and we look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So. Yes. How do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're, we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay, all but, right, but, but not, still, not totally. We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media: LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... 
reviews on all of the platforms wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay. But, all right. But, but not, still, not totally. We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.